Welcome to Food Friday Leftovers, a podcast about all the goodies left over from Food Friday. I'm Dave Hopper. And I'm Ashley Kinsey. Tune in each week as we cover culinary topics such as food trucks, local food, pizza, veggies, beer, and wine. You hungry yet? Huh, I'm always hungry. Well, on that note, Ashley, tell us what's in the fridge this week. Ashley? Well, I guess it's just me this week. And today we're talking wine with Amy Mendes from Meze Bistro and Bar in Williamstown, Massachusetts, and Mary Vaughn of Allium Restaurant and Bar in Great Barrington, Massachusetts, both in the Berkshires and right in our listening area. Thank you guys for being here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So we want to talk about wine, obviously. Mm -hmm. I wanted to start out by asking you guys, you guys mentioned this on Food Friday, about tasting for new wines. And how often do you guys do that? Every week? Yeah, yeah. a couple times a week. Yeah. Very hard part of the job. Occasionally, yeah. <laughs> occasionally you might have a week where you only taste once, but usually right. between two, for me, two to four people will come in and I'll taste with them. Right, and there's something to be week. said, being in a restaurant, there's wines by the glass. I mean, we taste. I taste every day, really, but I might be tasting the same thing over and over again, but everything can be different if you've eaten something different or right. you know just kind of acclimating yourself to talking about what it tastes like to you so these winemakers come to you guys they're not the winemakers um they're the if they work for companies so they're the purveyors okay um and they do come to us yes Yes. occasionally we get to meet a winemaker sorry i just wanted to clarify (laughs) um yeah we do sometimes yeah Yeah. sometimes winemakers come that's great that's a bonus especially in western massachusetts yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we don't I mean I just kind of stare at them longingly just like I love your life and I love what you do yeah um, usually they're the people that we are super huge fans of and, and yeah. the, the representative will be like well I really want you to meet them because we know you love them so much and then you meet them and be a fangirl a little bit. <laughs> Recently, I met the winemaker. You post the selfies from... on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Yeah. I recently met the winemaker from St. Innocent Wines um, on the West Coast in Willamette Valley, and I didn't really know anything about his wines, and I tasted through, he makes a lot of Pinot Noir, and I, I tasted Pinot. through like yeah. maybe eight wines, and once I was familiar with what he did and his winemaking practices and meeting him and tasted with him for 45 minutes, I mean, it was a complete introduction to his portfolio and I did purchase wine out of it because I think it is really well made. So right. it can be bringing a winemaker can be awesome. <laughs> yeah. So it gives For you everyone. more information and more of a personal touch up, I guess. Definitely. Right. right. And definitely like both restaurants, the menus are written using as much local product as possible. So, I mean, it's hard to find local wine in Western Massachusetts, but I mean, the closest you can get is like the Finger Lakes, I think. But when you meet someone who makes wine and they're making it with organic practices and they don't mess with the wine too much, they're just making this really honest wine, honest product, that's kind of a drive for us to purchase it and put it on our list because it speaks to what the restaurant, you know, is all about. Is that what your customers are looking for? Do they appreciate more organic? I think they and do. You know, yeah, yeah. guests are different depending on why they've come in and what kind of experience right. they're looking to have. But some people really want to talk about the winemakers and what you know and get into deeply into it. And some people just like want a midweight red wine. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, drinking is so interesting to me because some people have such strong ideas about what they like and what they don't like. And um, no matter what they think about what they eat, you know, there's some things they just won't drink, you know, or some things they only drink. Right. So it's definitely um, very specific and personal experience to consume wine or, or spirits. But I think a lot of times people come to the restaurant knowing that there's going to be a little, not a, it's not a challenge, but it's definitely like 
the wine list is eclectic and everyone will be able to talk to you about it. How often does the wine list change? Because there are certain restaurants and bars around here where the beer list, every time you go in there, it's different. Right. Are wine lists that malleable or are they a little bit more the same, but you add a few new things every once in a while? Right. I mean, a lot of times with wine, you're talking about vintage, you're talking about age. So if you have something on for a long time, you know, and it's the, the vintage just keeps getting better and then it's a more desirable bottle for sure. But our, our lists change all the time just because we do purchase for the seasonality of the dinner menu. Yeah. And our by-the-glass pours at Allium change between every week and every other week. I mean, it depends on a lot of factors, but it's probably closer in frequency to the beer lists that you're talking about where I actually think I changed my wine by the glass more than my draft beers. (laughs) Um, Only because I think we sell more. I mean, I I know we sell a lot more wine than beer. Yeah. Interesting. Definitely a wine destination, I'd say. Yeah. A beer destination. Do you buy stuff for yourself or is it just for the business? Like, would you buy a couple <laughs> bottles? Well, is it both? <laughs> it's a little bit. It's a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I know. Well, I like this, so yeah. I can convince our guests to like this. Right. You definitely have to, like, give just yourself that for them. moment. Um, but in terms of, like, what I purchase, I mean, if I buy wine, I definitely go to a wine shop and you know yeah. and purchase something a lot of the times like i'm lucky it's massachusetts it's small so a lot of people that sell me wine sell wine to the place down the street so i know right. that i'm gonna like that yeah. you know ahead of time but yeah in purchasing for the restaurant i think a little I more, think our personalities come through yeah i think in the sense of like purchasing for yourself you can't see my air quotes here but <laughs> it, it, you're like oh i really enjoy this and i think my guests are going to really enjoy it so i'm in a sense buying it for myself right, right. but not really you know right. it's for the restaurant right when you guys go to a, a wine shop, when I walk into one, there's people who aren't into sports who like sports teams because of the colors. Right. And as a sports fan, that'll drive you crazy. But then I go to a wine shop and I'm like, oh, this label looks good because <laughs> I'm still getting into it. So right. I guess I'm that same thing. No, yes, that's... this is very nice. Yeah, that um, those people, they, they make all their wines... Uh, they name them after different Spinal Tap references, Very so nice. that's why they get the the double. You know, we should say who it is. This is Teutonic Wine Company. Very um, nice. This is the rosé we were trying earlier at Food Friday, which you should pour some. Yes, like. um, I shall. Yeah, <laughs> it's nearly the end of the day. Yeah, I think um, <laughs> when I walk into a wine shop, obviously. I think all wine shops are kind of formatted differently, which is interesting. But usually, it should be by country. I think they do, or at least. Yeah. place yeah. so i generally would be thinking about like what do i want to drink and why and then i kind of go from there definitely labeling i mean it's marketing it plays a part for sure but sometimes the really obscure little weird scribbly french you know <laughs> bottle is perfectly delicious you know? don't judge a book by its cover absolutely I guess. Yeah. yeah i recently encountered a wine that they had a really um, strong branding idea that involved like a sort of like emblem on the bottle, sort of like Chetnuf to Pop has the, in the glass, there's a, I don't know how to describe it. Like embossed. Yeah, it's yeah, like an embossed yeah. glass thing. And they were doing that, but they were from the West Coast of the United States. And it felt like it would be, even though the what was inside the bottle was really good, it couldn't overpower how strong the branding was. Right, right. <laughs> For me, I was like, oh, interesting. Hmm. <laughs> I still value what was inside, and if it were the best wine I'd ever had, I would be able to like totally overlook the label, but I kind of couldn't yeah. get past that. Yeah, I mean, marketing, it seems to be to, to me to be more of a American wine kind of thing, you know, with like very specific branding, and then yeah. a lot of the wines we see 
that don't have those strong labels are usually not from the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. We tend to like our showy things over here. I think it's a way to differentiate, too, for a lot of American winemakers. You know, whether it's Teutonic or Brock Cellars has very distinctive wine labels. And then you have Francis Ford Coppola who just puts his name on it, basically. Yeah. There you go. You know, I haven't had any of his wines yet. Neither have I. No, we should make that a goal. Yeah, I just feel I I feel like it would almost be cliche to buy it, I guess. I don't know. Something. I feel sometimes like I should expand I, and try something else because it just seems, I don't know if it's. Sometimes I get excited when I go to like, I don't know, my friend's parents' house or something where like they're just going to have whatever wine they have because I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, 100% Cabernet Sauvignon from California with a ton of wood. I haven't actually tasted that in a long time. <laughs> right. So it's like because it's not in line with necessarily what we would do with our program, it offers a different experience but it's an experience that our guests sometimes ask for so being in tune with that is really helpful yeah it is i mean it's for me so much of in how i want to eat granted i'll eat junk food all the time if i wanted it but it's all about like the product that goes into it how it's grown and how it's made and well-made wine will be delicious because it's made with quality products and it doesn't it, and the price will not echo like a lot of times when you're buying those like branded wines you're paying for the brand not the quality of the wine within the bottle so I always go for the smaller producer because I know that they're putting care and love into it and they probably have like five cows on their property you know (laughs) like and they do the whole thing the whole farm thing and I appreciate that my wife is a big proponent of not spending too much on a bottle of wine yeah you don't have to there's so many good value wines out there and And a good wine shop that sells that has some I don't know, ideals or some ideals and ideas about like what they care about and their winemakers will have a range and you can know that when you buy the $9 bottle of wine or whatever that it's might be the cheapest wine there, but the value of everything that producer does is still possibly above, I think I said this on, during Food Friday, like above buying in a supermarket where there's no one to guide you through the experience. Right. You can't tell if a $9 bottle of wine, like it probably isn't very good, right? right. but it might be. I don't know. <laughs> That's why you wait for someone else to buy it, and then you try it at their house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you were speaking about junk food earlier, and I heard on Food Friday, I mean, Chinese food isn't really junk food. Right. I love it. My wife and I get Chinese food on Friday nights every once in a while. So what would we pair with that, I guess? I never really tried before. Right. Um, you were onto something with the sparkling, Amy. Yeah. I was thinking about that afterwards. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so often with pairing for me, like there's very proper pairings probably, but also like I think it should be fun. I think wine should be fun, which is why I said sparkling and Chinese food like champagne or, or a different kind of French spark with Chinese food because it's just, it has like some bright, fizzy little, you know, quality to it that's going to be awesome with your like super rich, like, beef and broccoli kind of sauce i get that a lot you want to like you want to like cut all that heavy flavor with something bright and light and crisp like a sparkling and i think people think of like not a classic pairing but a classic pairing of sorts um again with air quotes um (laughs) can't see them uh like beer so it makes sense to go to something that's also carbonated right right and has that same quality and crispness to it so would that be the same with pizza i guess Oh, or is the tomato changing? Oh, I think about or pizza the all the time and yeah. what I, so just I. in general. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> um, yeah, tomatoes, like we were saying, they're tricky. We said on Food Friday, too. Like, they can be t- Which surprises acidic. me because of all the Italian right. tomatoes yeah. and Italian cooking and Italian wine. You right. Think would... 
I think I was thinking a little bit more of like not necessarily like cooked tomato sauce, but maybe fresh tomatoes. But yeah, I still think Italian wine. Yeah, I mean there really is with pizza better. Yeah, yeah. For pato, like you were saying before, um, which is like a lighter bodied, which would be really great. Or you could go, you know, Sangiovese, like something bigger. I think pizza can basically handle anything wine wise. I'm gonna have to yeah. have you write those down afterwards. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe some white wines, some like medium-bodied whites. Yeah, you know the Frascati. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lambrusco, a dry Lambrusco, mm. which is you know sparkling red wine, um, for perfect for pizza. Awesome. Yeah, I like the sound of that. Yeah. That should be on their label. Yeah, <laughs> perfect for pizza. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. So I'm getting into Pinot Noir a lot because I was a big fan of the movie Sideways when mm-hmm. it came out. Mm-hmm. I still am. And my wife likes to joke that that's why I like Pinot. So what would I pair Pinot with if we were making a dinner for a party? Well, it depends on where you're getting your Pinot from. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> uh, like a Burgundy would be France is like bright, like cranberry acidity is what I call it to me. Like it has that like freshness. But then if you're going to, like, California or Oregon, it's going to have a lot more body and probably be heavier than you would expect from France. My wife and I went to a showing of Sideways, and beforehand the theater had a wine tasting Mm -hmm. where they had all these Pinots from California and Oregon. So that's usually where I stay in those two states. Yeah, Oregon makes great Pinot. They do. The St. Innocent that Mary was talking about, they make great Pinot. Yeah. Um, So pairing-wise? Food. (laughs) Initially, I was thinking more French, and I was like, game birds or chicken, things like that um, could be really good. Um, I don't know why. I just like that. I like chicken and Pinot Noir. (laughs) I don't know why. Sounds Um, good to me. Yeah. But for a little fuller style, a little maybe potentially a little more wood on it. I think, like, I'm thinking back to the barbecue thing or, like, the grilled thing. Yeah. That always works, too. Like, burgers and Pinot, and then you you chill your Pinot slightly. I bet that would be delicious. That sounds right up my alley. Yeah. 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 Ribs. Ribs. Yeah. Yeah. Because you get, like, there's always, I think, like, a smokiness in Pinot Noir Mm -hmm. to me that would really go well with any kind of grilled something. That sounds lovely. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to tell my wife about that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Do you guys have... A bottle that is like your favorite bottle that you haven't opened. That I haven't opened? Like at my house or in the restaurant? Yeah. Huh. I do. I have a, so I'm going to sound like a Teutonic wine salesman, (laughs) but someone gave me a bottle of their sparkling wine, um, which they don't even know if they make anymore, and I have it in my fridge, and I am... I've never opened it because I'm like, no event is good (laughs) enough for this bottle of wine yet. Like, I don't have a special enough time to open this bottle. But that's like my, a nice bottle of sparkling wine, you know, in the fridge is a pretty special treat for me. Hmm. I don't think I do. I don't have a lot of reserves right now. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. uh, My partner and I tend to, like, I like to buy things like vermouth because I love to drink vermouth with a twist and like, you know, one or two cubes in it um, of ice. And so... We have wine around, but we tend to drink through it kind of quickly. We both love rosé, so now we're into the season for that chewier rosés. But I don't think I have a, like, I know. I don't have something that I'm, like, saving. Okay, you don't have to wait for a special occasion then. Right, right. (laughs) I know. There's a lot of pressure. It is. Yeah. This bottle of wine. It's like, what's going to happen that I open this bottle of wine for it? I don't know. 
We have to be back like on it. again sometime I soon. I, 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 sometimes <laughs> I think that. And it's happened before with like special bottles that right. I spent more money on than I would normally or something. And then I save them and then I open them and I was like, oh, that's kind of a letdown. Yeah. Well, it was a gift, so I don't have to worry about that. Yeah, okay. That's true. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. It. <laughs> we like to end on this show with a funny story. If either of you guys have a funny story relating to wine or your restaurants that you'd oh like to God. share. There's too many in the restaurant business. <laughs> yeah. Like everything yeah. is a funny story every night. Something happens. Well, I guess I mean it. It relates to the restaurant world and working in it and um, polishing. For me, uh, we polish all our silverware, right? And it's super busy, and I'm trying to help everyone out and polish all their silverware. So I polish like a full tray. I mean, like a busing tray, like a full tray of silverware, and I brought it out to put it away, which is in the dining room in this shelf. And I put it up there, and then I just hit it wrong, and the whole thing comes crashing down to the ground in the loudest noise possible. And I was just so embarrassed. I just, like, I had to run away for a second <laughs> to come back and clean it up because I just could I was It was so obtrusive and, and uh, so disappointing. I was like, I just wasted, like, 15 minutes of, like, this insanely busy shift. They'll never be that clean again. They'll never be that clean again, and now they're on the floor, and I have to clean them from scratch all over again. That's my fault. Oh, I guess that's my most embarrassing story. <laughs> Maybe that helps. Yeah. That's how you interpreted the question. Yeah. yeah. Um, funny wine story. Huh. I don't know if this is really funny, but it <laughs> happened recently. It's not necessarily funny. It's an interesting experience, though. I tasted a wine with, um, I tasted with one of our purveyors, and the wine was just, like, insanely inaccessible to the point where, like, it was Santanay Cru, so it was um, Cru Burgundy, and it was, like, it smelled like pavement, but like so <laughs> aggressively. And that's a characteristic of that wine, but like not, it was just like fresh or fresh poured pavement. And so it was really interesting because it was, I, we were all just like, uh, yeah. So I don't, no one like knew kind of what to say. And he's like, yeah, so I'll just, uh, well, I'll leave this open for a little while and we'll come back to that. And then he ended up dropping it off at my house so I could taste it like three weeks later because he had it Coravin. <laughs> so it was just getting a little argon gas in there, but it was, like it was uh, just a funny experience where we all just kind of looked at each other and we're like, nope, yeah. <laughs> it's not happening. <laughs> not happening. Um, so that doesn't happen too often right? when you taste new wine. Not really, no. Especially when you're someone's just opened something or they've just corvined it for the first time and they don't know that it's showing like that and it right. shows and you're and they're like, wow, this is in no way ready. <laughs> it was a uh, cool experience for me, but it was also a little funny. <laughs> I can't imagine the experience from the other side just opening something like that. Getting reaction. Yes. If I'd like right, right. bought it in the store and then got home, I would have been like, okay, we're going to let that sea air for 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Chinese food, I once with like tasting with an owner of a company, importing company, was tasting wine and like just smelt the wine, blurted out like, it smells like Chinese food and broccoli. It smells like broccoli from Chinese food. And they, everyone was just like, and I was like, I'm sorry. It's just like very real for me. <laughs> That's the experience. It's very real. That's okay. We actually have the Peyral Bergerac. Mm -hmm. Maybe this shouldn't go on the air. Caitlin's going to kill me. It smells like pot. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the white. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, everyone just put their nose in it, and they were like, and I did it when I tasted with her. I was like, it's herbal. <laughs> it smells like pot. Very herbal. But it's very good. <laughs> it just smells like pot. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Amy and Mary. Thank you for being with us on Food Friday Leftovers. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. That was Amy Mendes of Meze Bistro and Bar in Williamstown and Mary Vaughn of Allium Restaurant and Bar in Great Barrington, Massachusetts. This has been Food Friday Leftovers. I'm Ashley Kinsey. And I'm Dave Hopper. 
Be sure to check out Vox Pop Food Friday every Friday at 2 p.m. on WAMC Northeast Public Radio. Our producer is Jessica Blaustein Marshall. Our theme is Beach Disco by Dougie Wood. Food Friday Leftovers is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. And tune in next week to see what else we find in the fridge.